What we choose changes us. Who we love transforms us. How we create remakes us. So in all of our choosing, O God, make us wise. In all of our loving, O Christ, make us bold. In all of our creating, O Spirit, give us courage. And in all of our living, may we become whole. In the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Well, the act of forgiving is core to what it means to be a Christ follower. Just like breathing, forgiving is something that we should be in the habit of doing. Not just often, but dare I say, always. It is a way of life in the way Jesus speaks of it, It is a continual choice, one in which I believe gets easier the more one does it, the more practiced we become. However, it is an intentional way of living. It is the way of Jesus. Our gospel this morning includes Jesus's best-known instructions on what it means to forgive. So when Peter asks, how many times one is to be forgiven, Jesus insists that forgiving someone seven times is just not adequate enough. The offending member must be forgiven 77 times. This number seems staggering, but communicates clearly that forgiveness is to be an essential part of the Christian communal life. And so to punctuate this teaching, Jesus tells a story using one of his favorite methods, that way of hyperbole, which is the use of an exaggerated statement to make a point. And in this case, he uses hyperbole to speak on what it means to forgive. And this is what he says. There was once a man who owed a tremendous debt, 10,000 talents. Now that probably is a bit foreign to us. So one talent was about 130 pounds of silver, which was the equivalent to about 15 years of a laborer's wages. Which means, and this is the point that really matters, The servant owed his master about 150,000 years of labor. Can you imagine? That's the use of hyperbole. It's an exaggerated amount, right? 
So in other words, this man would never in a million years be able to pay his master back. It was impossible. A startling amount of money was owed. And then we read, in an instant, this massive amount was forgiven. Forgiveness was granted, and so was the debt. It all went away in an instant. So then we have a second servant. And his method of payment was a denarius. And by comparison, a denarius was worth about a day's wages which meant that the second servant only owed about three months or so of debt to his master, which at that time was by no means a small amount. It was significant. However, nothing in comparison to what the first servant owed. Remember, he owed over 150,000 years of labor to his master. The story plays out much the same way, but concludes radically different. In that, forgiveness was not granted to the second servant by the first. After having been given so much grace and mercy, the first does not extend that to the second. And so the question arises, how could he possibly not overlook the minor debt when he had just been forgiven an impossibly huge one? How is that possible? The first man's debt was wiped away in an instant, and then he seems to have forgotten. He wasn't able to do for another what had been done to him. And Jesus wasn't having any of it. This is not the way of Jesus. Jesus uses this story to get to the heart of the matter, which is forgiveness. This is an essential core tenet to be a Christ follower. And y'all, I take a big gulp when I preach about it because it is hard. And I will preface my preaching by saying this sermon was written for me, by me, to me, because I'm the first one who needs to hear these words. But what Jesus says through the use of hyperbole, through the use of this story, is that in order to survive and in order to thrive, plain and simple forgiveness must come. And it must be a way of our lives continuously and always. I am deeply aware of those times in my life when I have held on to something. 
And I have deliberately chosen not to forgive. I have dug my heels in. And what I have found, if I were to be honest, is that that subtle resentment begins to sink in, that sense of dread, the disdain, and most of all, do you know what happens? I no longer see the other person as created in the image of God. Do you know what they become? They become an object. No longer a person who has a soul that was created in the image of God. Instead, they are something. And for me, as much as I don't want to admit, they become an object to hate. Rather than a person who, like me, was created in the image of God. And for those in this room, and I do believe that there are those in this room who have gone through this, a great pain caused by another person, you know how easy it is to begin to see that person as the enemy, where they no longer even have a name. It's her. It's him. You won't even say their name. Whatever those things may be for you or me, we all have things that we deliberately make the choice to not forgive, to hold on to, to not let go of. And please hear me say, I am not flippantly saying, just forgive and everything will be hunky-dory. I know that is not true. Maybe it can be, but that just hasn't been my experience. But what I am saying is that Jesus seems to want us to live into this notion of being freed up. And it is freedom that allows us to let go. And if that is what you are desiring, then I'm afraid I have to tell you Forgiveness is the only way to get there. It is the only way of obtaining the freedom which leads to abundant life. So might I be so bold as to say this to you today? Whatever you're holding on to, whatever has held you captive, let it go. Or maybe take a step towards it and try. If you've been wronged by someone else, if you've been hurt, if you've been mistreated, whatever it, we all have an it, whatever it is for you that's keeping you from living fully, let it go. 
And the only way you can let it go is to forgive. Forgive that person. Forgive the situation. Forgive it all. And maybe even the biggest and most important is forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. So I'll ask, can you imagine, just for a moment, the person or situation that almost seems too much to let go of, to offer forgiveness to, to approach? But then can you also imagine your life without the pain, without the stress, the heartache? Can you taste even just a little of the freedom that might come if you forgive? I'm convinced this has to be the reason why Jesus teaches on this today. Jesus knows what's on the other side of forgiveness. It's freedom and it's new life. Translating that to a life of faith means salvation is on the other side. And another word for salvation is rest. Rest within him. So what does that mean for me? I'll tell you what it means for me. And what I have experienced when I have forgiven. It means rest within my soul. A soul that never seems to be quieted or still. Rest within my own body. What does that mean for me? The tenseness that I carry in my shoulders and my lower back kind of eases. Rest in my speech, meaning I don't always have to have the last word. And for me, rest within my mind meaning I don't have to play the game. I don't have to be the winner. This teaching was for me this morning. And I have to believe it's also for you. The hard work of forgiving is for us to do. But I have to believe, just like anything, the more we do it, the more practiced we become at doing it, so that at times, it might even feel effortless. It becomes second nature. So if this has your heart stirring and you feel like something is bubbling up inside of you, I'm going to tell you it's God's spirit. It is God's spirit working within you, spurring you to do something. Because when I was writing this sermon and thinking about it, I too was welled up. 
I was surrounded by people this week who did the brave work of either letting something go or extending and asking forgiveness from another person. I have a lot of forgiving to do. But I also believe I also have a lot of living to do. If you've been stirred, or if that person or situation is clear as day in your mind right now, where you know you need to forgive, perhaps you can move a bit towards it, gently, gingerly, approach it, and extend grace. Don't talk yourself out of it. You've done enough of that. Offer forgiveness instead by a word, a caring act, a prayer, something. Even if you're the only person in the world who knows that words of forgiveness have been uttered, Believe me, it is an act of courage. And what's more, this could be what sets you on a new course in life, a new way of living and a new way of seeing people so that they're no longer the other, they're no longer he or him or she or her, but they actually have a name and you can say their name. My spiritual director tells me often that the goal of the Christian life is learning and extending compassion. And sometimes, and oftentimes, it is learning to extend compassion to one another. But I also believe it means extending compassion to ourselves. So what I would say ultimately today is that life really is too short to hold on to things that rob us of our joy, our wholeness, and the abundant life God wants for us. We've been given a gift by way of forgiveness Freedom is on the other side. Salvation and rest. Because of a man named Jesus. For he is the one who embodies it all. Because he really is all. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May the Lord, mighty Lord, bless and keep you forever, granting peace, perfect peace, courage and
Lift your eyes and see his face. Know his grace forever. May the Lord, mighty Lord, bless and keep you the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and always. Amen.